0: Today, I'd like to share you, with you my journey, how this church has led to incredible healing in my own life, enabled so many dreams to come true, and why I'm so passionate about this work. <clears throat> I was born and raised in a small town in South Texas, McAllen. My first memory that something was different about me was in the second grade. There were two jungle gyms on the playground at school, and it was a widely known fact that even though those jungle gyms were identical, there was apparently some indivis- invisible line in between the two. One was clearly for the girls, and the other for the boys. And that invisible line is where my struggle began. The blaze- boys played too rough for me, so my eight-year-old self found it was only natural to play on the girls' jungle gym. But, apparently, what felt natural for me was a source of teasing inspiration for many in my class. It was the first time I realized I would need to pretend to be someone I wasn't so that I could fit in, or at least just not be teased quite as much. So over the next dozen or so years, I tried to pass as a normal boy. I had little success. My father was an avid hunter, so I went to the deer lease with him on weekends. I couldn't bear killing anything, so alone in the deer blind, I would watch the coyotes, javelinas, snakes, and birds. I would shoot the rifle a couple of times before he would come back to pick me up and later would claim that I was really close to this huge ten-point buck. I don't think it took him that long to figure it out. So I tried playing sports. I decided t-ball was a relatively safe bet. And for that first game, I was assigned the pitcher position. During that first game, one of the boys hit an incredible ball straight into my now broken nose. It was in the fifth grade that kids started calling me fag. I had heard that word many times uh, from my dad while he was telling one of those jokes. He was well known for his endless supply of them, and fags apparently provided lots of material. So one day I decided I would consult my trusty world book encyclopedias for more information. Was I a fag, a homo, as the kids at school suggested? I read the lone article on the subject and summarily decided I was not, could not, be a homosexual. A mental disorder, I made mostly A's in school and participated in lots of extracurricular activities. A Sickness and a Sin. I thought I was a good kid. I went to church every Sunday. Didn't need to be asked to clean my room or do my homework. So I settled on the last option in the article, a phase that many boys go through during puberty. Fantastic. Just a phase. I can live with that. Without the internet, logo TV, And since in this small town, looking at that section of the library would get me noticed immediately, I decided to end my brief research into the subject and wait it out. I would be okay. The phase would pass. I never really had a girlfriend until I was in junior high. I had gone to space camp in Alabama the summer after my seventh grade year and found a girl from South Texas to go around with. We traded swatch watches, which, at the time, there was some significance that I've kind of since forgotten. Uh, Back home from camp, my parents asked me what happened to my watch. I explained that I had a girlfriend now, told them about her, and that we had traded watches. What I thought would have been seen as great news didn't turn out that way. They immediately drove me to see her several towns away, and I retrieved my watch. I told her that I couldn't see her again, and I never did. I don't remember exactly what my parents said to me that day, but I do know exactly what their point was. You don't date someone of a different race. Growing up in a community of 30,000, where 92% of the people were of Spanish descent and 8% of European descent, I didn't really understand what the problem was. But I looked up to my parents. Clearly, they knew the answers to the mysteries of life. I thought that when you were grown up, someone gave you a book to let you in on the secrets that explain things that kids just didn't understand. Their judgment must be sound. So, that was the last person of a different race I dated. Even though I had made the mistake of dating someone outside my race, I did learn that having a girlfriend who didn't live nearby was a plus. (laughs) I didn't have to do anything other than write letters every now and then, and it would add to my anti-fag arsenal when I could factually quip, uh, I have a girlfriend. (laughs) And so it was during scholastic competitions in other cities and states that I would find my next several Caucasian girlfriends. It was during a competition my senior year in Washington DC that I would meet the girl whose hand I would later ask for in marriage. She was beautiful, smart, funny, and we became quick friends. One semester after I moved to Colorado for college, she moved in with me. We were together for five years. It was during these years in my early 20s that my hopes and my prayers died. The gay phase, the one that I had been ensured by that encyclopedia would pass, had not. God had not answered my prayers, and though I had never been intimate with another guy, these thoughts would not go away. But everything that I had read about and heard of about being gay didn't sound like the life I was hoping to have. The articles, news articles, seemed to show misery, promiscuity, and AIDS. I wanted a relationship, a marriage, children, love. So, after living with her for four years, I asked her to marry me. I clearly remember thinking, right before asking her, that my unhappiness with living a life of lies was worth sacrificing for the happiness of her, my family, and all of my friends. Maybe I would never be fulfilled, but at least I would be married to my best friend, have children, and be loved. And even though I was committed to making that relationship work, depression soon took over. Within a year, she had ended that relationship, something I never had the courage to do. It actually came as a huge relief. I felt that now, at 23 years old, I could try to figure out who I really was. A year later, I met my incredible partner of 10 years now, Darren, online. Darren had come out at age 18 and his Baptist parents were still struggling to accept the fact that they had a gay son. A few months after we began dating, Darren moved in with me and shortly after that I came out to my mother by way of a seven page letter. (laughs) My mom called after receiving the letter and tearfully told me that me being gay didn't change how she felt about me. I was enormously relieved. She did ask me, though, not to tell anyone else. (laughs) Um, Not wanting to lose her love, I reluctantly agreed. I broke contact with almost all of my extended family members, and even my friends who had family still living in McAllen. I couldn't stay in touch and lie about my life, so instead I stopped communicating entirely. After several months, I couldn't continue the deception with my immediate family, so I mailed the same letter to my father. I didn't hear from him, but later called and asked my mom if he had read it. She said she thought he got through the first couple paragraphs, and then put the letter in a dresser. A few months later, against my mom's wishes, I sent the same letter to my brother and to my grandmother. Surprisingly, the most religious member of my family, my 82-year-old grandmother, a Christian science practitioner, had the most accepting response of all. After receiving the letter, she called me and simply said, Do you think God loves you any less today? I started to cry, of course, and said, No. And she said, Do you think I love you any less today? I think I got another choked out no when she finally said, Now put this Darren on the phone. Darren was right there, of course, he knew who I was talking to. So when I began to hand him the phone, he just looked at me terrified, and I shrugged my shoulders and motioned for him to take it. She told him that anyone I loved was welcome into our family, and that she looked forward to meeting him. That was all there was, a 30-second phone call. Darren and I spent the next seven years to ourselves, working in the IT industry, spending time with his parents on the weekends, and in McAllen for the holidays. I still was respecting my family's desires and had not reconnected with my friends from McAllen. But in 2005, we felt something was missing in our lives. We began attending resurrection. It was also the year that Hurricane Katrina hit. After watching the news for days and feeling helpless, when we learned that the evacuees were coming to Houston, we immediately decided we must do something. That began six weeks of volunteering daily at the Astrodome. I witnessed rampant discrimination based on race, ethnicity, class, gender, and socioeconomic status. On the second day of volunteering, we came across the technology center that had been created to help evacuees reconnect with dislocated family members. As the weeks progressed, I witnessed miracles happen many times every day. Before travel vouchers were implemented, I had a friend in our local LGBT community give me hundreds of dollars and the use of his credit card to pay for travel to move dislocated families from Houston to other cities across the country where they had family. The first family Darren and I had the opportunity to help was headed by a Southern Baptist minister. From the money we had from our gay friend, we were able to get them out of the Astrodome on the third day. As we were dropping the minister, his wife, and their two teenage boys off at the airport, the mother asked me for our contact information. I was still a bit apprehensive about this whole gay couple meets Southern Baptist minister and family. (laughs) But a few weeks later, we received a package from JCPenney. It contained two embroidered bath towels, one with Darren's initials and one with mine. I wish you could have seen the look on our faces when we opened that package. (laughs) After hearing about two transgender women arrested in a Dallas shelter for taking a shower in the wrong one, we wore our HRC shirts to make sure LGBT evacuees could ask us or find us for any special needs. The openness with ourselves and with our relationship, plus those bright red t-shirts, led to countless life-changing conversations. We became friends with dozens of volunteers from Houston that came to the Astrodome every day, many for weeks. We met a couple that canceled their week-long Hawaiian honeymoon and instead flew to Houston for the week. One day, a few weeks into it, I looked around at the group of dedicated volunteers that I had been getting to know and realized that more than half of those regular volunteers were LGBT. I considered how the natural disaster in New Orleans followed by what, was, what many saw as a discriminatory rescue effort by the government, may have contributing, contributed to the overwhelming response by our community to help those who appeared to be experiencing the effects of discrimination in their most desperate times. In the weeks that followed at the Astrodome, I saw the most horrific situations I've ever witnessed, yet I have also saw the most beautiful. It transformed my faith profoundly. It was the first time in my life that I could literally see the hand of God touching thousands of lives simultaneously. All of our lives were intertwined. Back at resurrection, my faith continued to be transformed. I learned a side of Christianity that I hadn't known before, one that is inclusive and committed to equality and justice. Because of a national coming out day event of resurrection, I learned about PFLAG and was able to get my mom to call their helpline. That call changed her life and she is now open with family and friends about having a gay son. In fact, the next time after that call that we went down to McAllen for a visit, my mom introduced Darren and I to everyone. (laughs) As partners. The most embarrassing moment I think came when we were at the grocery store checking out and she introduced us to the clerk who she didn't know. (laughs) But it was then that I decided I would begin to reconnect with old friends I hadn't spoken to within years. The first one was my next door neighbor. He was three years older than I was and both our families had lived in the same homes adjacent to each other since we were born. We had been best of friends, and of all the people I had disconnected with, I missed him the most. I decided to write a very long email containing everything that had happened over the last seven years, including coming out and my relationship with Darren. So God seems to have a really hilarious Uh, sense of humor in my life certainly, I'm sure that many of you know what I'm talking about. And I included a photo along with that email. The photo was of Darren and I in Mykonos, Greece at a restaurant and bar that overlooks a very popular gay nude beach. The reply email that I received from my friend also included a photo of him at the same place. Six months earlier. (laughs) Yeah, he was gay too. (laughs) And as funny and ironic as it is, it is still something that pains me tremendously. Here we were next door neighbors, best of friends from birth to age 18. He didn't come out until his early 30s. I knew how much I struggled with my sexuality and can only imagine that he did at least as much. It still hurts me when I consider that we were right there for each other all those years, but we were both struggling alone. Though I knew it before, it was crystal clear to me at that point that I knew the silence must end. I wouldn't be silent any longer. I would live my life honestly and openly. Another dream that this denomination has enabled me to fulfill is marriage. Because of Troy Perry's commitment to marriage equality, and with the support of my resurrection family, I am now legally married. Darren and I got married in California the first day it was legal, June 17, 2008. We were blessed to have Reverend Kristen officiate over the ceremony, along with her partner Tate. After the ceremony was over, and after the TV cameras and photographers from the Chronicle had gone, park ranger Rick, who was in charge of PR for the California park system, came out to us. His partner is also named Darren. (laughs) As we were leaving the park, so many folks came up to us and congratulated us. It was incredible. An absolute dream come true, and a day that I had not expected to see in my lifetime. We headed to the gift shop, and one of the clerks announced to the whole store, we have newlyweds in the store. (laughs) So you can only imagine how red I was. <laughs> that clerk told us that she had a gay son and that she was a flag mom. She said she was hopeful that one day her son would find that special man to marry. After she came out to us, one of her coworkers that was stocking the shelves heard that and said that his sister had just gotten married. Because of the new law, now the pressure was on him. <laughs> she said, oh, I didn't know you were gay. <laughs> At that time, at that moment, a, a teenage coworker who was staffing the register overheard our conversation and came out as well. <laughs> Apparently, it was come out, come out wherever you are, day. <laughs> so I'll close with this. All while growing up and into my early 20s, if I had had the choice, I would have had no hesitation in choosing to be straight. Being gay was something I prayed every day would go away. Now I realize that being honest with myself and with others, as God created me, it's led me to deeper relationships. Just after coming out during the course of a conversation with someone I've recently met, many times the person will say, I've never told anyone this but, and go on to tell me about discrimination they faced, physical abuse they've endured, or diseases with which they suffer in silence. The bond that is created just with being honest in this world continues to amaze me. To me, being gay is the most wonderful blessing God has given me. It has given me greater compassion for others, shown me that love can overcome all obstacles, and has created deeper, meaningful relationships With friends and family. I am forever grateful. Let us pray. God, thank you for 40 years of Metropolitan Community Churches. Thank you for their gifts of inclusivity, community, and social justice. Thank you for Resurrection MCC and for all who continue to bless this world with their truth and their voice. Help us live our lives as the people you created us to be. Show us our unique calling to end discrimination and bring light, truth, and love to this world. Amen.